What's up, Nana Nation and lovers of the Toronto Maple Leafs? What's up, everybody? This episode is brought to you by myself and Dave. Yes, Dave joins us this app. Uh, Ball Walker, let's say he's on the technical injury reserve. Yeah, right now he's just sorting some things out with some tech on his side and hopefully have him back on the next round. Who knows, maybe have both these guys on the next round. Uh, speaking of technical difficulties, this episode is not perfect. Yes, there were a couple small technical errors, but I think they're all queued out. So with that being said, if there is a little blip in there, just give it a second, it should be fine. With that being said, this episode and all episodes of the Not For 30 podcast are brought to you by Passion Over Paycheck. That's right. We do this because we love it. And if you appreciate it, show us a little support. Double tap that like button on Instagram. Give us a five-star review. Tell your friends. Tell your mama. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. With the holiday season coming up, do what you can to stay safe and be well. This is Leafs Edition. What's up, Nana Nation and lovers of the Toronto Maple Leafs? What's up? Joining me on this episode is not Ball Walker, but the one, the only, Dave. Hey, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you've been, I know you've been waiting for me. Um, yeah, it's been long. I don't think you've ever done a Leaf Edition. Have you ever done a Leaf Edition? Or I, I think we did Hockey, Hockey Town. Town, yeah, back in the yeah. day. When, when Aaron Chalupa was on like speakerphone. So it was always like, uh, he was the best talker out of all of us. So we were always <laughs> pausing like Aaron, <laughs> you can't see it. You can't see us looking at you, but please speak. I don't think he took any breaths. He's just trying to get all his oiler points in. Yeah. Those were but the early Jesus days. is going to bring a cup. Okay. But Jesus is going to bring a cup. Actually, I got to give very respect. He's actually a good rival hockey fan to talk to as opposed to all our other shithead friends. Who are like we suck because they suck. Well, he he's a he's an educated sports fan. The problem is that he will take any side but the Leafs. You know, like he's on their ass all the time, and he'll side with any other team. I think he was rooting for Montreal at one point. I was like, come on, seriously, pick <laughs> someone on. else. Just come on, just come over, buddy. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's Canada's crazy. team. If you're Canadian, you love the Leafs. These, these Oilers, by the way, just to segue a little bit, are not doing fabulous as of now. And uh, seeing as I have a little bit of the control board here, I just want to look at the overall stats that we have here because at the beginning of the season, it was pretty tight. Oilers were very dominant as a team. And uh, as the Leafs, with the rough start, slowly crept up and started taking over, I remember hearing a lot of excuses about how the Oilers have played less games or their winning percentage is better, but... Really, come on. This is not baseball. This is hockey. And in hockey, we have winners and we have losers. And the Oilers, they have lost five in a row, baby. <laughs> Hashtag Kyle Curse. <laughs> the Kyle Curse lives on. And look oh, at this. Man. Number 14 in the league. Five in a row, for God's sakes. Ever since Kyle in our group chat here has taken a side and he's actually put a flag in the ground saying, you know what? I'm done with being a Leaf fan. I'm going to be an Oilers fan. And ever since that, they've been going downhill. They went from one of being, being one of the hottest teams in the NHL to dropping off to like seven and three, six and four, five and five. And now they've lost five games in a row. And the Kyle curse lives on baby. Hashtag Kyle curse. Listen, get it on early because it's a long season. We're only a third into the season. And the Kyle curse will be there all year long. 
Yeah, and look at our beauty Maple Leafs right now. Are they tied in the top spot right now? Like, how often do we get to say this? Everything everybody said like last year was kind of a kind of a fluke because they were in a you know quote unquote North conference. Yeah, but I don't buy it, and like this is proof. Well, Dave, the season is still young, and this year is all about redemption for Leaf fans. No, so, it's over. The Leafs are winning the cup this year, baby. It's it. plan the parade. <laughs> I can't. Right. I can't take it anymore, man. I'm in love again. Okay, I don't. I'm in love, and I don't care who hears about it. <laughs> no one gets your Seinfeld reference. The show's been off the air for like twenty plus years. <laughs> That's actually an Elf reference, and it's. During the Christmas season, I don't know. Fresh on that. Okay. So let's just go back a little bit. Uh, we usually do monthly recaps, but uh, Ball Walker and myself have had some major technical is- issues. Uh, that's why you're on this pod. And maybe we'll just drop ball after this. Who knows? If this goes really well, then we'll drop ball. But we, I, always we like, look I like the addition of Ball. Ball is good. I like Ball. Ball is good. What's um, his real name, though? Seriously. No one knows. It's a mystery. Oh, okay. All right. In the month of November, the Leafs were, were one of the best teams in the NHL, having the best time of their life, winning 13 of 15 games in the month of November, the most they've ever won in the month of November. Very impressive stat. The Leafs had an incredible role with, with Jack Campbell, a.k.a. Gentleman Jack, having the time of his life, having a very impressive, spectacular month being yeah. yeah also a contract year imagine that but well listen i love campbell i i was believing in him from last season when he took over for freddie and he was just the stable goalie we have not had for years and well you know i don't buy that because i i don't love jack campbell i've gone on the record and say he's playing really well but this isn't the jack campbell that that is Jack Campbell. This goalie, this version of Jack Campbell, in November especially, we saw an incredible goaltender on a very defensively sound team. Okay, now, was- and good point. I, I was going to say, like, he's been hot for a while, though. You know, we're, we're talking, you know, from last season midway through to now. He's been pretty consistently hot. He was even pretty good in the playoffs. But, yeah, that's the key thing there that we don't, as Leaf fans, get to say – at all ever in our life. I don't think I've ever been able to say that, that maybe since Pat Burns, that we're a defensively sound team. When have you, when's the last time we've ever said that we're like, what would we number two in defense right now in the league? Yeah. Number two in defense. Um, I don't really know how that metric is measured. Like I guess just, I mean, it's, it's weird because the month of November, they were playing a sound system. They were able to get the puck out of the zone. They're able to keep the, I'm going to say, um, high potential scoring chances to a minimum and they played really really good hockey uh, unfortunately with the since since that game against winnipeg the leafs have hit shit row and unfortunately haven't played well and i mean we're i'm jumping ahead a little bit but november was such a strong month i just want to backtrack a couple of things maddie having that hat trick i thought that was great after she had the mustache he looked like this weird old little kid and um, and then scores like three three goals, has an amazing um, month of November, and he is on pace right now to just go on another tear. He's got goals in seven or eight straight games. I can't remember what it is exactly, but he's on a tear. He's creeping up the leaderboard, and Mister Drysital, uh, who's Watch the other guy? Back man, <laughs> what? Well, Drysital's cooling off a bit. 
I mean, he started off red hot, but he's pulling off a bit, and Maddie is just on a fly. So I, yeah. I'm, that's, I'm loving. That's the, awesome, that's the awesome thing about Matthews is, you know, he'll pot a couple of game in a row. You know, he's on a, he's currently still on a goal streak. I'm pretty sure. I don't know how many games it is now. Is it six? Maybe even seven? I just but, said seven or eight games. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's ripping it, and uh, and he's creeping up. He's at 18 goals now, and I think Drysaddle might be at 23. But uh, he's not too far behind. He's like a third or fourth place already for having, uh, first of all, missing the beginning of the season, then having a slow start because he's coming off an injury. So uh, kudos to our hot superstar. That's it. And one thing that I've noticed about Matthew's game right now is that before where he was doing a lot of perimeter shooting um, mm-hmm. or even shooting from 10 feet out, he's actually in the blue paint this season. Him and Tavares yeah. are, have been in the blue paint getting dirty, ugly goals. But fuck it, who cares? Because, yeah, fine, it's a yeah. dirty or, or ugly goal. It doesn't matter when you have 52 at the end of the season or whatever he's going to have yeah. at the end of the season. It doesn't matter when you're holding up the Rocket Richard trophy. So I'm on board for as many dirty goals as you need. I mean, and plus, Zach Hyman not playing on the team is great yeah. because now Matthews and Marner can get those empty net goals. That Zach Hyman had like eight empty net goals <laughs> last year. He had, well, he had one empty net goal for every million that Edmonton's paying him this year. Well... Yeah, that's the hilarious thing is like they've been having Zach Hyman goals. And uh, I think I've only seen really one Austin Matthews, you know, vintage Austin Matthews goal where he's, you know, wrist shot or curl and drag at the perimeter. And uh, yeah, it's it's actually kind of nice to see because, you, you know, he's finding so many different ways to score. And I just been loving Tavares, man. I'm such a big fan of Tavares and he's been ripping it this season too. I'm going to pull up some stats here for John Tavares. He's, he's tied with Matthews actually with 31 points right now, 13 goals, 18 assists. He's contributing man. And if we're going to be paying him that much money, he has to be at the top of the list with Austin Matthews every year. Yeah. It's definitely fair to say that last year was a little bit of an off season for him, but um, Dave, as you and I both, and I mean, probably some people listening to this, um, if you've had a, a one-year-old in your life, you know, you don't get a ton of sleep, even if you're a professional athlete. So I think now, I think he's just sleeping better at night and now it's paying off in the stats because the man is on a mission. But let's get into it. We're jumping all over the place. I want you to just kind of follow the format if we can. Wrapping up November, one of the best months that the Leafs have had in the history, actually their best month um, on that big tear. But since then, since December and playing the Jets and having that really weird game, we'll probably talk on that suspension a little bit as well too. But since December started, there are three, three wins, two losses, one over overtime loss. Uh, still second in the Atlantic and third in the league, technically. But um, we've got a whole bunch of injuries. You have Campbell with 14 goals allowed in his last four games. He let seven goals in in the, fir- uh, in, in the whole month of December. So, or sorry, November. So it's this really weird slide. I know I get it, you can't maintain what happened in November. But did you think the Leafs were going to slide as much as they have so far in the month of December? Listen, this isn't a slide. This is just people panicking so soon. I think they're going to group back up together. And uh, sort of like, I guess it was the Chicago game that woke them up uh, at the beginning of the season. They might be going through a rough patch now. But you got to remember, this is a tough five-game stretch, five, six-game stretch that they got, you know, seven points out of, which is really not a big deal compared to last year where they would go on like a 10-game stretch where they're winning, but then they lose five in a row. And then they win five in a row. Then they lose five in a row. And at least we're not like doing drastic inconsistencies like that. Like this is a much better scenario where if they're going through a rough patch, like they lost Marner for God's sakes, you know, Matthews has got to get comfortable with, with a couple other people. I think he was playing with uh, Simmons and Bunting the other night. So he doesn't necessarily have 
that guy, that go-to guy to feed him all the time. And he's still getting results done. They're still finding ways to win. I'm not too concerned. I think Campbell's just like tired, really. So Mirazik coming back was kind of just in time. He, he really needed a break. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into Mirazik a little bit later, but I, I think I think it's fine. It's maybe a little fatigue, even though, you know, they've had a couple, four or five, or sorry, three or four day rest periods uh, recently. I, I understand that it's hard to roll at that high level for a long time, and there's going to be a couple stumbles. And Tim Carr broke this to me last year when we were talking, when we were placing bets. Toronto really needs diversity in their season to have success in the playoffs. Because a game like last night's game against Chicago on Hockey Night in Canada, you know, they had a, they had a day rest. They had a weird week with the suspension of Spezza and the injuries to Sandine uh, and, and Dermot. You need to be able to find, you scored four goals in the first period. And then you had Chicago creep back, a team that is, you know, at the, at the bottom of the NHL, I guess they're the best of the bottom feeders, but they had them creep back. And they ended up winning the game on a fluke play. You can't count your W's on fluke plays like that. It was upsetting to watch that game because it be it. First of all, Morazic lets the first shot of the game in. Bad start. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like when you have Morazic laying in the first goal, that's always a tough start to any game. But even if you even if that happens, you still got to keep. You got to stay on track. You still got to follow the game plan. Um, so I, what I'm just trying to say is that, yeah, there's, they need this kind of diversity to then in the playoffs, if, if this happens, if they get the first shot in the playoffs in the game seven and they let the first game, the goal of the game in, the Leafs need that kind of diversity. If you go into the playoffs, especially like a game seven, and they're dealing with the first shot net going in on whatever goalies in net. They need to be able to come back from that. And of course, every professional athlete, if you start the game late and then you end up having to claw back in the game, that's always a factor. But the Leafs haven't done that, especially in game sevens, especially in the playoffs. So Tim Carr's right. They they need these kind of diversity wins and losses to build up their their experience and their confidence in these moments. Yeah, big time. And that is the plus, even though it is a lot of negatives where – Yeah, like even though they have these leads and they're they're kind of blowing the leads and, and getting lucky with the win, they're still coming up with the win. It's better than getting tied up, them getting taken overtime and losing because that was the typical Leaf style to lose. So, you know, they are holding off. They are having a little bit better culture change when it comes to like holding a lead or at least fighting for it and not just giving up. Like that was the typical scenario we were always used to. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see that the team's not giving up. I, to be honest, this this version of the team, the 2021-22 version of the, of the Leafs, seem to have a little bit of an ace up their sleeve in the sense of they don't look defeated if they if they give up the goal. And even when they give up the goal, they know they're probably going to score like three or four goals in the game anyways. So they don't seem to lose that confidence as much as they have in the past. Of course, they have had bad games where they've given up bad goals and just looked de- defeated. But I think that's going to be almost any team. Yeah, but actually, you know, that's a good point because I've noticed this year, I think they're a better team than last year. Like, let's just put that out there. And I have a breakdown of like the loss of Hyman in a second. But um, before they were cocky, now they're confident. You know, they're not, they're not scoring a goal and then like ripping it. They always have like a stone face. Like that's just the beginning. We have like three more to get tonight. So like they're always yeah. fighting for four or five goals a game. 
All right. Let, before you bring that, I want—I have some other points about the month of December that I want to bring up and talk about. Um, stats aside, when you look at the injuries, like Mikhaev, still out. I wonder where he's going to go when he, he's back in the lineup. I mean, he'll be back before Marner. I don't know if he gets a taste at the top spot just to kind of get him going, maybe some confidence. He is a driver. Like, you know, he is one of those guys that gets a puck to the net, but he's maybe not a finisher. Um, and when you always see, like, Matthews pair up, it's always playmaker, whether it be Nylander or Marner. Matthews, your sniper. And then you have a grinder, like Hyman did it for years. Uh, and they've been trying it this year with Bunting. Does McKayoff kind of fit in that role? Do you see him there? Or do you see him maybe bottom six? Because bottom six bottom is full. Six. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll be bottom six. And I think there's probably a good option for a Nick Ritchie trade because um, I don't know if he's a one or two year contract, but he's 3.1 million. And, you know, that could be spent a lot better. And Nick Ritchie has been, you know, he's a bit of an underachiever. He hasn't been great, but he hasn't been horrible either. Like he, I think, understands his role on the third and fourth line. And sometimes he gets a taste of the second line, but he's throwing his body around, which is something that he failed to do for such a big guy. So I think he's, he's, he has this new role. He understands it and he's been playing pretty good to it. He's not, he's not going to be putting up, you know, 20 goals. He's not going to be that player that everybody expected him to be. So um, I I think he's decent, but 3.1 million is too much. You know, he's he's on a two year deal. He is a two year deal. Yeah, that that's a little that's a little rich for my blood. I, I would take Mikheyev, who's I think at one point two or something like that. He's a grinder. He's someone that beats guys into the corner, and he's he's a kind of player that we I think need in the lineup. And he has a lot of energy. Like he's he's spicy. he's a hungry guy. He's hungry. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. he's the horse. Yeah, I like Mikheyev. The, the fact that he requested a trade out of Toronto last year kind of makes me feel like he's probably done after this season. Like he won't resign with Toronto, which is fine. It is what it is, but. You know, he's going to find success in the, in the league, and I'm not worried about him. But I do like him in the lineup, and I would have him in the lineup. Um, you, you touch on Nick, Nick Ritchie. We'll get to him a little bit later, too. I have a feeling he's going to be in the studs and duds. But Nick Ritchie, I think, is a guy that just hasn't figured it out yet. And you see this with a lot of guys who sign in Toronto, that it takes them a while. Because they're not touching the puck as much, you got a guy like Marner, uh, Nylander, Matthews, uh, in a sense, but a lot of guys who touch the puck a lot, and then you have guys who don't touch the puck a lot. And I think Nick Ritchie's just stuck in that not touching the puck a lot phase. But I think once he kind of gets the ball rolling, he might he might end up the year with like ten or eleven goals, and that's fine because you you, you just want this guy to be heavy. You want this guy to kind of help grind out the other team's D and ho- hopefully tire them out enough that a guy like Matthews or a slippery guy like Marner can kind of get in, or Nylander, who does that, who this year has been driving the net more than I've seen him in years. He's just fly up the side, stop at the hash marks, curl back, dump the puck, lose the puck, whatever, and then fuck off. Now he's actually like driving the net, which is fantastic. He, he was always been strong in the puck, but there was a while there where someone would push him and he was gone. Now guys can't catch him, and he's just been like controlling every play that he's been on. I am so happy we're over and done with the whole contract talk on Nylander. Now, now it seems like that deals a steal for how he's been performing. You know what? People he, like myself were he, saying that from the beginning. Yeah. Maybe it might've not have been perfect at the time, but man, like he, everyone knew this deal was going to make sense at, at I, one point. I'm not comparing dry to Nylander, but Nylander's deal is our dry deal because dry was a steal at $8 million. People weren't hundred percent sure, but then here you go pops in 50 goals or 60 goals, whatever it was. So, you know, Nylander's not going to score that many goals, but he's also making less money. But it's been a beneficial contract in the end when, you know, there's a lot of talk about how much it was at the time. Yeah, fair enough. All right, moving on. The defense core right now, 
has looking like shit. You look at Riley and, and um, Brody looking like they can't hit anything. They couldn't. It looks like they're afraid to put any contact on guys. Yeah, they're good with the puck. But without the puck, you kind of, I kind of worry about them a little bit. How do you feel about that pair? You know, I'm, I'm actually good with it. I think they're one of like the best defensive lines, honestly. I think Toronto has such a deep defense core that we're being a little nitpicky on some of the faults. And I think now we're in a tough spot because of the injuries. I think Rasmus Sandin and Lilligren have really stepped up to show that they are NHL caliber, especially Sandin. You know, he's basically a junior Riley. So it's pretty amazing to see um, – like even those guys should be probably on the second pair. Muzzin, I think he's just so beaten up now that he belongs on a third pair where he doesn't need to have that much ice time and he can still be physical without, you know, being too, um, too worn throughout the, throughout a, like a longer game. And well, you know, hold on, don't, don't jump too far ahead because I, I, I want to talk. I want to, you want to go through every pairings? pair. It's fine. I like yeah. Riley and Brody. I think they're, they're one of the best lines or defensive lines in the league. The, okay, well, I, I wouldn't go. I mean, they're definitely the best pairing on the team. I just worry about sometimes, like, yeah, they, you know, like Brody sometimes this season has looked slow to me. Yes, he's defensively sound, but he kind of looks slow to me sometimes. I've seen him a couple times get beat up the boards, and it just doesn't make any sense to me because I, I didn't see that a ton last year. And I, I don't know if that was a thing for him in Calgary at all, but I'm just kind of shocked with, with how loose I'm going to say his defensive play has been this season. Um, Riley, I think, I think honestly, since signing the contract, he's kind of rejuvenated himself and looking yeah. good, but still not being there any type of physical presence. I understand that he's not going to be a huge physical presence, but at least be a little chippy, you know, at least fucking get, give something to a guy every now and then a, a little, but I don't, I don't think we need it that much. I think we have, we're, we're supposed to be a skill team. I mean, we, we did muscle up. We did get some, um, some fighters, some enforcers, some bodies, but I don't think Riley is that kind of player. And I don't think they need to be either because like Brody, for example, is like a stay at home and Riley can move and get around. He, he plays like a forward. So I don't think he needs to be physical. In other words, Brody maybe needs to be a little bit more captain crunch here. Bring on the DMF enough. Uh, but. Well, one of the greatest captains of Leafs history. Moving on. I want to talk about the next pairing Muzzin and Hall. Hall has looked like shit for about half of the season so far. I don't understand. Like it doesn't, I, I don't, I don't, and I don't want to bring Babs up like, like he's some kind of genius or something like that. But there was a reason why this, why Babcock didn't want this kind of lineup. He's, he just maybe is streaky right now. I don't know if he's dealing with an injury as well. Hall looks super lost. He doesn't look like he wants to play. And those five games that they took him out of the lineup and had Dermot in, I didn't think Dermot necessarily jumped ahead of him. I still miss the physical presence of Hall, which isn't there, but he's a big body. Um, and I do enjoy Dermot's puck handling ability and speed, but Hall is just looking so bad right now. Fine, I'll give, I'll give Muzzin a break because he's 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 playing. Everyone says he's playing beat up, but I mean, if you're if you're lacking that sorely, like maybe maybe you just don't be in the lineup. I don't know. Maybe that's an option. Yeah, I think it's just it's slowed him down over the years. Um, you know, someone like Hall. Yeah, this is where I get emotional or my emotional feelings take over my logical th- feelings because Hall to me is the make McDavid killer. Like he's the guy who's supposed to be a third pairing guy that was able to contain Connor McDavid. So it's like, man, this guy is a beauty. We got him on the cheap. We got it for $2 million. Um, and then Dermot's the guy that's, that gave away the puck against Montreal, like to win in overtime. Like it was, it's one of those things that Dermot, I don't, I don't trust his historically, and Hall, I do historically, but this season has been the flip, which is 
I don't know, maybe it's good and bad. You need that internal um, competition. Competition. I get it. That's it. Yeah. So I got to sneeze here, but the last pairing, Sandine and Lilligren. Excuse me. I think you cut out anyways when you sneeze there. So <laughs> Okay, perfect. Yeah, thank, thank you, technology. Finally written on our paper. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Sandine and Lilligren on the back end. Um, young, young prospects. These are both first rounders. You know, I'm glad that, I mean, Sandine has just looked incredible. And when Muzz, sorry, when Hall was taken off being paired with Muzzin and Lilligren stepped in, I thought he did a pretty great job. Absolutely. Like, I, I'm actually surprised he sort of leapfrogged Lilligren here. Um, but I'm happy about it. And I'm happy actually Lilligren found his footing as well because he was kind of looking like a bust last year. So I'm happy to see both of them in the lineup which is great for cap space. Um, and yeah, to your point, to circle back a little bit with Riley, like I think since he signed that deal, however many games ago it was, maybe, maybe it was 10 games ago, I think he has 19 points. Like he's just been on fire since that happened. Um, okay, moving on. Uh, the goalie situation we talked briefly about, but uh, do you have any comments on Joe Wall? Yeah, you know what? I, I would take him over Mrazek in a second. Like, I just do not trust Mrazek. He is like an injured Freddie Anderson to me. And I don't know why we gave him that kind of money to begin with. Was it 3.75? Seems like too much for a goalie that, like, I, I can't even imagine he was going to be the starter. And I remember when that, that came out that we signed him, like, oh, Toronto's got their starter. I was like, excuse me? You're going to, like, look aside from what Jack Campbell's done to the team or for the team and take on Mrazek, who's like, one of the most inconsistent goalies of like the last 10 years, you know, he's been playing against defensively sound teams like Carolina last year. He looked decent, but look at Anderson now, who's like a shit show in Toronto. Suddenly he's like a Vesna caliber goalie. So I think these are just teams making the goalies look good. And Mrazek, I could care less if we lose him. I, I'm kind of upset that we sign him for what was it? Three or four years. It's, it, that's too long. We got to get rid of him. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't feel the same way you do about Morazic. I think overall, Morazic has a lot of experience as a starter in the league, and I think that's important. Yeah, I think when when you're looking at having an A one and A oh, sorry A one and one A one hot sauce burger. Wow. sauce. <laughs> Can you tell I'm hungry? Um, when you have a one A and one B goalie combo, I think your keys for that's a key for success. I think. You have that internal competition. I think it's going to work out well for both guys. Even though they're being friendly, I think they have a good chance of pushing themselves to be better. Morazic, yeah, he's had a rough start to his Leaf tenure, but he is an experienced goalie as a number one in the league. He's played in the East for a long time. He knows a lot of these guys in the East. I'm not as worried as Morazic. He will, he'll figure it out at some point. He's probably going to have a couple of shitty starts like he did against Chicago, but I think overall, come playoff time, he'll be, he'll be more valuable than he is right now. I, yeah, I fair. And, sorry, on Joe Wall, did I mention anything about Joe Wall yet? I can't remember because we've no, made technical errors. Okay, so yeah. I, I don't think Joe Wall is an NHL goaltender right now. I don't think he's a very good AHL goaltender uh, right now. I think the team played really – I think they basically David airs him in a sense where they played their best D in front of him just so that he would look good. Yeah, he got a shutout, whatever. Like the team, he got 20 shots at night. You know, like yeah. I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he's worth anything to put any stock into. I think he's basically Garrett Sparks 2.0. Huh. Yeah, that's 
probably a fair assessment. It still pisses me off that we took uh, Sparks over McElhinney, but even though McElhinney probably had a year or two left, but he was reliable. But yeah, you're right. Mrazic is going to be a very good piece for the playoffs, just sort of like a David Riddick was uh, for us last year. And so, or really Fedor Anderson, I guess, came back, but David Riddick was there as a number three because we need something reliable. For some reason, there's, even in your own opinion, like there's still not a lot of trust in Campbell, but I, I'm all for him. He's He's been a very steady goalie and he's come up big when he needs to be, which is the most important thing you can ask for from a goalie. Yeah. Here's the thing. Campbell is hot. He's playing good goal. He's playing good goal. He's hot right now and ride that as long as you can. He's going to hit a slump at some point. Most goalies do. That's fine. But at the end of the day, that's why you, that's why you paid Morazic the money you did, you know, and you know, Campbell is a contract season or a contract uh, year. Here. He's yeah. probably playing, playing for his next contract. I get it. It makes sense. So ride this as much as you can. You're going to have a hot goalie who's looking to get paid. Cool. Let's ride this to the cup final and see what happens there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the cup final. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Just slide that one in there. We're that believing again, baby. Okay. No. Here, okay. So uh, here, here's a weird stat that I found that I thought was worth talking about. The Leafs have led... The, in the, in the 29 games they've played, 20 of those games have led in the first goal. Now, yeah, they're tied for first in the league, technically third in the league. But is that not a fucked up stat? Like that, that is going back to Babcock, Babcock era and saying we need to start on time. This team just, for whatever reason, loves to play from behind. Don't get me wrong. I like to have fun from behind too. But at the end of the day, I'm not getting paid for it. So what's up? Yeah, absolutely right. Like, they got to start on time, but I don't know. Like I said, I think these guys are confident. They don't lose their cool. And a lot of the games that I have seen, because they've only watched maybe 75% of the games uh, this season, um, they have been getting that goal back pretty quick, you know, uh, or they're not letting it pile up too much. There, there, there have been times where they've been down by three goals and they've held up, come back and, you know, get that point in overtime at least, but at least they're fighting back and, I, you can't deny that they're uh, they're fighting. They're challenging every night. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. Please. The Leafs right now look like they're playing a system that they're good at, that they like, and they're not afraid to put in front of teams. Uh, where last year it felt like they were trying to play this really confusing type of hockey to get teams lost. And Man. create a scoring opportunity. You are absolutely right. Like I was just going to say the same thing. Like they Suck are playing so much more free, and I think that's like what the players have been wanting so long. And I think that's what um, uh, Sheldon Keith. Yeah, Keith. Well, Keith has kind of started when he started his tenure with the Leafs. He was playing free, and for some reason, this whole structure thing came into play. Like all season last year, I was like, we're working on this structure. We're, we're working. This is going to be a, a playoff structure that we're going to be going in with. That's what they were like training for. They knew they were going to the playoffs. They knew they were going to have uh, well, technically home field advantage, but um, they didn't obviously come through. So I think Keith's trying things out. It's like, listen, you guys have a lot of skill. I'm all for you guys being more free. So if you don't see a play happening here, if you don't see where we can squeeze in our play, go for it. Go rogue a little bit here and try something out because I think that's what's throwing off teams. Like that Nylander goal where he goes end-to-end, dumps it in, he crosses the blue line, dumps it in, Tavares goes and digs it up for him, and he scores. Like that, that is just such a simple play, but the team was frozen. Like Chicago was just staring at him like, where did that come from? We expected a dump in. We ex- expected a pass on the blue line. 
It's none of that. You know, the only thing I think, that scares me. Go ahead, yeah. sir. Finish. No, I was just gonna say, like Keith is just giving them a little bit of freedom, and it and it's showing. And I and I think the players want that. They just have so much skill that you kind of let a you gotta let them be free. You know, the only thing that scares me with that is it's like the system that they're playing right now. Is that I, I I noticed in the Chicago game again? Chicago's not a great team, but when they're when they're winding up the power play, and you know they start behind their net, and then they they drop it back to one of the two guys who are going to fly up. Now what teams are doing, and I saw Chicago do it twice is that they're just shooting shooting the guy right past the puck carrier and they he just flies back and he he's trying to sneak up behind the guy who's going to charge in and my biggest fear especially for the Leafs right now their their power play is so smooth it's like number 1 in the league it might be number it's t- maybe number 1 or tied with that I can't remember what exactly it is but they my biggest fear is if that collapses that right now is an offensive juggernaut for the team and they are firing on all cylinders if it gets decoded and the league figures it out they're gonna have their shitty power play from last season again oh wasn't that just heartbreaking they got all that talent all that money on the ice and they can't fucking shoot it past the defenseman that's blocking the shot it just drove me fucking up the wall okay um wall okay we are sorry we talked about it uh nick rich we'll, we'll circle back to nick Ritchie. Yeah. Where, where do you see this guy? Like, I, I like him on the team. I think he's a fit for the team. I think he's more of the player that they need to go deep. But do you trade Nick Ritchie if there's, a, there's an offer on the table for maybe a more notable defenseman or possibly another goaltender? Absolutely. 100%. Like, like I was saying a little bit earlier, he's too much money to be spending on a multi-year deal here. That $3 million... In today's day for the NHL, that is too much money for a bottom six player. Okay. Like we're not the Edmonton Oilers here that overpay for someone that might be good for a couple of years. This is like a silly thing to do. So if yes, absolutely. McKay is coming in and if McKay doesn't sign again, too bad. I'm not butthurt by that. We can find someone like Dubis has been great at finding bottom six grinders, players, guys coming in on discounts, which is, is so brand new to us Leaf fans. How often have we ever seen any players coming back to Toronto, coming back to their hometown on a, on a discount? Well, Eric Lindros, but that's the only one I can think of. Yeah, he, what was it? One point one? Was he just here for the one year? I think so. Yeah, if I remember. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I guess that was a discount, but he was also pretty pretty bruised up. Like I don't, he wasn't doing. <laughs> he much. was a potato in a jersey. I do okay. remember game one of that year though and him scoring in overtime i think it was against ottawa and i was like doubting lindros <laughs> i was like why did they sign him and then when he scored that goal i'm like we're gonna win it this is the year <laughs> uh this is why other hockey fans hate lee fans because yeah eric lindros scores one goal after signing a one-year deal and we think we're yeah. gonna win the cup. okay all right let's get into studs and duds we've talked a lot about player personnel this this episode let's get into studs and duds and see where we are with this what we normally do is i'll do one stud you do one stud I'll do one stud and we'll do that all the way till we get to the last stud. Okay. Now Mind you, right. I have a feeling. Can't wait about these studs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just fuck all these studs up. Let's go. Let's see all right. Uh, I'll start up. I'll start up first. Um, AM three, four, the man, the myth, the legend. Austin Matthews is, if not the best leap of all time, working his way up yeah. to being the best leap of all time. This guy, I mean, no training camp post-surgery, Delayed, delayed recovery, 
starts a little cold and is just on fire right now. This guy, I mean, getting dirty goals, getting dirty goals, dirty stashes, dirty goals. Listen, I, I, I always call him Zorro in the group chat because of his pencil mustache, but legit, this guy is Zorro because he is the Mexican wonder. I love man. Why is that not his nickname? I understand he's been called Poppy forever, but yeah, I just clued into that. He's a sniper. He is half Mexican. Why the fuck is his nickname not Zorro? No, listen, I know, I know, I'm smarter than all of you guys, but finally, you guys are fucking catching on. I fucking I Zorro all season. Now. Jesus Murphy. Yeah, you That's never stuff. You never notice all those things I post, like all those Zoros that I post in this group chat. You're like, no one I kind of just ignore. What you post, I know, I know, yeah. I know. Um, okay, yeah. Anyways, yeah. he's my number one stud. The Absolutely. guy's on fire. 18 goals, uh, power play goals all the time. Number let, one stud. Let me get into it here, okay? I, uh, Go for it. I brought out the whiteboard here just so I can chalk it up again. Super stud for me is Mr. Michael Bunting, come into the floor, please. At $1.2 million and 19 points, this motherfucker has replaced Zach Hyman at a massive discount, hometown discount, I'll add, where Hyman is now getting overpaid at $5.5 million. And how many points does he have, Anthony? That's right. I believe this is 19, 19 points. points. Suck on my dick there, Aaron. Okay? I'm telling you here, boys. But Kyle Michael Curse Bunting lives on. here. Hometown discount, $1.2 million, 19 points, baby. Like, I was going to line up a whole case for the money that we didn't spend on Hyman. We put it on Kasha, Camp, and Bunting for a total of 42 points, aside from Hyman's 19 points as of now. But that's less than what he's making. Kasha is 1.5, Camp is 1.5, Bunting is 1.2, and Bunting, who's 1.2, has the most points out of all three. And he's tied with Hyman, who's making 5.5. Are you telling me that Kyle Dubas is not one of the best GMs and he never gets recognized? I don't give a shit. Oh, he gave Austin Matthews, John Tavares, all these guys millions of dollars. He's making it work on the floor for bottom dollars. He's getting guys taking hometown discounts. He's finding needles in the thread here with Michael Bunting. Michael Bunting, with his Mitchell Marner-like pass through his legs the other night, was just uncalled for. We don't expect that from you. You don't have to do that. But and thank that you is for doing so, it. so much smoother than what Hyman has produced. And don't get me wrong. I love Hyman. He's a solid player and he will be for the next three years. But the Oilers absolutely overpaid. And they are going to regret this contract in two to three years. Okay. Because he, he, he cannot keep up that kind of play going into he is going to be, early 30s. He's going to be the uh, Lucic deal that Edmonton signed like 10 years or whatever that was. The, the Lucic deal. I mean, the Lucic deal looks way worse. And he's, I mean, although he's on a top team in Calgary right now, but unfortunately. That, that won't last. Come on. Yeah. Uh, Edmonton's downfall has been their downfall for years. It's They have no goaltending and they won't. I mean, there's a lot of talks that they're going to make a deal at the deadline. I don't know what they're going to be able to bring in. I don't know where they are on their cap hit, but I, the I want to rumor. Go ahead. Go yeah, let's, let's. We're not talking. This isn't Oilers talk. But the biggest rumor is uh, that Flurry was going to get the trade. But Flurry, who was hesitant to even get to Chicago, maybe he wants to get the fuck out of Chicago. I don't blame him. Oh, it's because but, Chicago and, and 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 Pittsburgh had rivalry. Yeah, he also didn't want to move his family. Like that was a that was a big part of it. Like he was he was tired of moving his family. He wanted some more stability. So I don't think he wants to Plus move the again. Tax but, break in Vegas is insane. Oh, he was loving life. He was, after living in Pittsburgh for how many years? Yeah. <laughs> he was loving life. Hey, Pittsburgh can party. Um, okay, I, w- I want to talk about Hyman 
quickly just because I want to I want to keep going with studs and duds. But Hyman, first of all, Wendy Sokoloff from Sokoloff Insurance, please remove that commercial of you and Zach Hyman because you are going to lose business because you have Zach Hyman as your spokesperson still. That aside, yeah, Zach <laughs> Zach Hyman, the Zach Hyman deal. I mean, Zach Hyman is a hardworking, very strong, good hockey player. Yeah. But you're trying to compliment the best player on the planet in Nick David and possibly the second best player in the planet in Dreisaitl with not even the top 100 player in the league. Like Zach Hyman is probably the 180th best player in the league. He, he's got a lot of effort and that's why coaches love him. But yeah. he's not and he's strong. an elite He's player. a strong guy. He's, listen, he does all the dirty work. But as, as we now know, we just found three players that do the dirty work. And in total, their salaries are less than Zach Hyman. So yeah, and Cash is way better as a as a defensive player than Hyman. Hyman is a, a okay defensive player, but he makes his money in the corners. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, okay. moving on. My next stud. So hold, Bunting was your was your number one stud, right? Yeah. Okay. I, this one might be a little bit obvious to everyone listening, but Mitch Marner. This boy has found his groove. He's put down the gaming controller and picked up the hockey stick. This guy is on it. He is, he's, I mean, obviously the injury, I, I mean, I, it was weird, right? Like him and uh, buzzing collided in practice and fucked up his shoulder or something. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of setback this is going to be for him, but for the month of November, this boy found his groove and he was on it. I was so happy that Mitch Martin played for this. Yeah. And, and him like Matthews, he, he needed a little while to find his groove and, and it almost looked like he was still shook from the playoffs last year. But as soon as a, a couple plays went his way, uh, he was lighting it up again and, and, you know, you can't ask for anything more. You just want him to get there as soon as possible. But yeah, he was doing great. It's too bad that he's hurt because I think the team is hurt without him. Like, I think he helps the team, uh, more than offense. He, he helps the team defensively. He's on that penalty kill and he's got such a great stick that, He's, he's made a couple amazing breakout plays or he'll control the play on a penalty kill, which is, you, you can't, you can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah. And the other thing too, is don't get it twisted. Austin Matthews is the best player on this team. Mitch Marner, since he arrived on the roster has led the team in points every year. So don't get it twisted. He's your number one point getter on the team. When he goes down, the team's going to hurt. All right, right. Dave. Let, Let me go with another stud here. Coming in on 94 kilograms with that long, luscious, silky hair and those Ooh. wide shoulder pads. Mr. Sh- Mr. Gentleman, Jack Campbell, everybody. Let me tell you, as much as he's been tired and he's had a bit of a slump, this guy's been the hottest goalie in the league. After hearing that fucking leprechaun, Kyle, chirp us in the group about how well Freddie Anderson is doing. Are you giving... Are you fucking kidding me? Jack Campbell has lit it up and shut it down. He's got the most wins in the league and he hasn't played in the last couple of days or the last couple of games. I should say he's had some time off with wool and Mrazic coming into play here. So he's got the most wins in the league. He's got one of the best goals against average. He is doing fine, even with the slump that he has had lately. So I am all for Jack. I'm a big, big fan of Jack. I think, um, you know, all the superstars that Toronto now has, like Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, Riley, I think I'd get, if Campbell does get a, uh, if he does sign an extension, I would get a Campbell hockey jersey, a legit one too. Wow. That's, that speaks volumes. Yeah. 
because I don't All buy right. real, you know? <laughs> All right. My, my last stud is the one, the only captain of the Toronto Police, Mr. JTO. That's right. Giant Toronto. The man is back on a mission, playing with lots of heart, probably getting tons of sleep at night now, finally. He, I mean, obviously the exit in the playoffs last year was pretty scary. Had to see him back, proving why he's one of the great centermen in the, in the game. And Dangle says it best. If you want to be wowed by hockey, you watch Austin Matthews. If you want to learn how to play hockey, you watch John Tavares. John Tavares is fundamentally sound. The guy yes, doesn't girl. take any shit he doesn't take any shifts off. He works hard every shift. And I'm going to go back to that Boston series at game seven. He was the only spark on that team and a mm. very disappointing game seven. King, I love what you're saying. Let me tell you, Mr. Tavares is on a mission. He is so disappointed with how things happened uh, with himself, let alone how the, how the Leafs ended up blowing up there. But he's on a mission. He is... So focused, it looks like. So dialed in. I, I don't think I've seen him smile once. He's just so focused at that finish line right now, which is all you can ask for. And you're right. He, he's been, listen, he's got an amazing shot. He can stick handle, but he's been amazing being that gritty, dirty goal scorer in front of the net. He's been perfect on the tips. He's been digging away at rebounds. He's been getting on some of the best rebounds. Like he's just positioning is just amazing. So John Tavares, everybody wants to shit on him for that contract. He's been one of the hardest working players on the Leafs this year. That's a, an amazing pick. Yeah, and you know what? The money doesn't even bother me anymore. The money is well worth it. Look at all the other captains in the league. They're all making 8 to $10 million bucks, anyways. On top of that, he's a role model. He's consistent. He's like You never see this guy get too riled up. You never, you know, he is, he's a guy that can wear the C where you don't have to worry that he's going to be like flashing dick pics on the internet. You know, he's not that guy. So he's, he's just, he's just like a, he's just like a, a, a total hockey bro that just likes to, you know, like he just likes, he's happy to play for the Leafs. He came, like he came back, took less money, came back role model. That's it. Yeah. Role model. Uh, uh, leader it. on and off the ice easily. Yeah. All right. Dave, who is your last stud? My last stud is a fiery blonde hair man known as Willie Styles coming down the rink here. Let me tell you about Willie Styles here, who has had one of the hottest starts on the Leafs this season so far. And yes, he did slow down a little bit, but he's sparked it right back up just like that. He's been playing amazing with John Tavares. And that's one of those things that you always kind of saw at the beginning of shaping this core team here is who's Austin Matthews going to play with. And it was always known that it was going to be Nylander. And then it quickly became Marner like, okay, we can't break these two up. So Nylander taking that sort of shift to Tavares almost to him, I think, felt like a bit of a, a downgrade. But they have had such amazing chemistry together. Like, they know where they are. Tavares is so um, he is so giving as a teammate that he does. he's more than happy to have Nylander shine. So he's doing all the dirt. He's doing the Zach Hyman job right now, and he's all about it. And, man, let me tell you, Nylander has not failed us yet. He's had one of the cleanest shots all season and one of the most deceptive ones, especially when he's coming one-on-one with a goalie. He's been awesome on these breakaways. A hundred percent. This is the best season he's ever played for the Leafs. He looks comfortable. He understands his role. He, 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 I honestly think he might've put some weight on in this summer or the off season, I should say, 
Um, I think he's, he's probably looking the best and most comfortable he's ever looked. And I'm just happy that he's wearing the blue and white and not, not for Tampa. All right, moving on. Let's go down and get our duds. These bros, these Leafs haven't really wowed us. Here we go. My dud number one. I'm not going to talk a lot about it because we already did. Nick Ritchie. I mean, obviously, everyone was excited to him signing in the offseason. Happy to have this big body guy who's going to score you maybe 20 goals. Um, not really maybe. looking comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, maybe. But, you know, this, this season he might end up with 10, maybe 15. But uh, this guy, just not looking comfortable. I hope, I hope he turns it around. I hope he can. He's got one goal and, like, five assists, six assists. Um, I just, I'm just hoping this guy can turn it around. He's, we already talked about it. He's my dud. Let's go to Nick Ritchie. Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you for my first pick. Nick Ritchie, he's only got eight points in the season, seven assists. He only has got that one goal, like you say. Uh, I, you know, I was talking to my buddy who's a Bruins fan, and he was saying, like, Nick Ritchie just never lived up to his potential. He was always someone like they just had so many high hopes for because of his size, because he can handle the puck pretty decently. He just can't finish. And, uh, you know, I think that contract was a little bit much, a little bit overpaid for him. Um, so I'd like to see a little bit more out of him. I, I do appreciate the new role that he has been taking, but for $3.1 million in today's NHL, it's too much money to be a bottom six grinder. All right, Dave, who's your first dud? Uh, I was agree. I was in agreement oh, okay. with you with Nick Richie. Okay, here. cool, cool, but cool. If you, if you want me to give you another one here, it's who I was bashing a little bit earlier, earlier who is uh, uh, Peter Mrazek. Because, mm. listen, I just don't have a lot of faith in him. I don't see him as a stable goalie. I see him as a backup goalie, really. I don't see him as the 1B or anything. He's number two. And I would like to see him like every five games or so or on a back-to-back. No more than that. You give Jack a break. He obviously has benefited from having rest. He's benefited from being healthy. And we want to make sure Jack is healthy because he has been injured in the past where it's been a, a pretty scary stretch without him. Yeah, I agree. All right, my next dud. Um, and this isn't 100% his fault, but I've got to imagine some part of it. Um, Dermot, I, I think that I think overall he's a good def- defenseman. I think overall he's a great young talent, but he's just not able to get into the lineup, and it's obvious because of his play. That five game stretch where they took out Hall and and brought in Dermot, I I thought he played pretty well overall, but th- he's obviously not doing something to get into the lineup. So sort your shit out. Let's go. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, I don't have too many other thoughts other than Mrazic, Richie. I mean, I could shit on Hall, but I, I, I want to give Hall more time. I think uh, from what I hear, you know, if they do get rid of someone, Hall's the odd man out right now, um, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I, I get it. I mean, I, I would think if anything, the way Muzzin's been playing, I think he needs to shape up. Maybe he's injured. I mean, we don't know about it, but maybe he needs to shape up a little bit if we're paying him $4 million right now. Yeah, my last guy is Hall, and I, I'm going to shoot him a little bit because I've already shoot him a little bit. But I just, I just, I want, I know what he can do, and there must be something preventing him from doing what he, we know he can do. So that kind of puts me out a little bit on him. But um, overall, I mean, it, it's hard to, it's hard to nitpick on a team tied for first in the league. But if I'm going to, this, the last five game stretch has just showed me that these, these type of holes, because of Hall, Dermot, you want Muzzin's injury, Mrazic's play. Like these things are factors. And not to mention, they just picked. Okay, so I'm going to finish studs. You have nothing left to say about studs. The least traded for Kyle Clifford. I like it because it, it helps put a little bit more, more muscle on the team. But I haven't really seen, like when Clifford's first thing with the Leafs, I wasn't too impressed with anything there. 
Right. Um, you know, I just hope that that adds to something. Down the I, line. I think he, honestly, I think he's there for intimidation. And, and when the call is there, cause I, I watched that, what was that movie? Uh, Enforcers. I watched it recently and I was like, you know, these guys don't love fighting. <laughs> it's not an easy thing to be fighting every other night. I don't think we need someone to fight everybody every other night. I think we need somebody that's just tough because we have Simmons. We have Clifford. We have a big body like Richie. We do have some grit on the team now, but um, he doesn't need to be fighting every night. I just think after that Winnipeg game, I, I can't remember if that Clifford deal happened after Winnipeg, but that was sort of like a wake up call to be like, what the fuck is happening here? Like it was before. Who the, it was before. who the fuck is it? Was it before, but like, who the fuck is Winnipeg? Like they were almost like really just trying to get dirty with it. That it, to the point it's like, you know, the Leafs are kind of like, Hey, call a penalty. Like that's the Leafs games. Like call a penalty. Then like, we don't want to retaliate. We don't want to fight where that's not our team. That's not our character. We need that though. We we're going to need it in the playoffs. So you better start bringing in players that can at least contribute in that way. Yeah, I totally agree. I want, I do want to talk about the Winnipeg game. Um, I wasn't able to catch the first half of the game, but just seeing how that game unfolded. First of all, I've been seeing it for years. Winnipeg is shit. They're a shit team. Not saying that they're not. So let me phrase this. They are a good team, but they're, they, their style of hockey is shit. They define they they, they stock up on big guys that have some talent. Um, but they are, they are shitty team. They're a shitty team that likes to play dirty. That will play dirty. My, Mark Shifley, I don't give a shit about him. Hmm. He is a dirty player. You, if people are calling him not dirty, he's a fucking dirty player. I, I don't, come on. I, I don't think he's dirty. The guy doesn't even swear. He said, I think the worst swear word he's ever said in a game was frig or friggin'. Yeah. So, just because you don't swear doesn't mean you're not a dirty player. I, I don't look at, I look at his track record. I think he's, I think the team in general has evolved to be a, grittier or dirty team i'll say that because that is a paul maurice you know trademark he wants to have a little bit you know play in a gray area there he likes the edge yeah and i think winnipeg took a while to get there like players like ellers like i would have not expected them to be being so physical and i think that's a lot of paul maurice coming into some players like getting in their face a little bit and it kind of reminds me of like a tortorella sort of style and you know in in some cases it fucking works you got players like Pierre, uh, Luke, oh my God, Pierre, Luke, Pierre Luke Dubois. Dubois. and he craved that. I remember when he was on Columbus and Torch was getting in his face and then suddenly he, he gets a hat trick. Like he craves that kind of shit and that kind of coach and Paul Maurice is the same kind of coach. So I, I think Winnipeg is a good team. They are already structured to the point that I don't know that. I mean, they got a good goalie. There's no reason why they can't be a contender, but something's missing there. I guess it's their D something's missing. I just don't think they have it. And they're, they're pretty stretched out anyways, when it comes to cap. Well, I mean, I think a guy like um, Kyle Connor is a really, he's really a player. He's dirty too, but he's a really good player and he can light it up. And when he turns it on, he's hard to beat. And he's, I think he's probably an under, underrated player, or maybe he's just not notable because he's like, he plays in Winnipeg, but yeah. the team, the team itself from the very beginning, they, they wanted big bodies. Um, Stanley is going to get his face smashed in next time he plays the Leafs. I don't care if he's six foot seven, the dude is going to pay. And I I just, I I hate Winnipeg. They're shit. Their people are shit. All of Winnipeg shit. (laughs) Fuck you, Winnipeg. Fuck you. Or as they also are known as Weiner Peg. Weiner Peg. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Both are good. (laughs) Weiner Peg. Okay, Dave, is there anything else you want to touch on in this Leafs edition? 
just like Kyle Shulman is a dick nose. Honestly, that guy is a blessing in disguise. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Since as soon as he got off the dropped off as a Leaf fan, the Leafs have been on fire. Since he jumped on as an Oilers fan, the Oilers have been a fucking tire fire. So really, we shouldn't shit on Kyle. We shouldn't even be rude to him. We should encourage him to stay with the Oilers because the Leafs have been amazing since he's been You gone. know what the funny thing is? He doesn't even watch sports. No, you know what the funny thing is? is he doesn't even watch Oilers games or if, if he even catches like a highlight, he's not going to catch it. He's... He doesn't got that Ser- kind of time. He's Seriously. Like kids. <laughs> he, he doesn't even watch sports. Every time I call him, they like chat. He's like, oh man, I'm watching The Bachelor. Hold on. I just got some noise. Hold on. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> Fucking Kyle Curse 2021, baby. Let's go. Oh my God. You know, it's funny. I was explaining this to my son. As you know, his name's Eli. And so he's big into stats. He's been like, can I, dad, can I borrow your phone? I want to look at the score. So he just looks at all the numbers and looks at all the, you know, the placing of the teams and how many goals and assists and, and everything like that. Really, really cute stuff. I told him all about the Kyle curse. And uh, <laughs> I think whenever I let him know the scores, like the, the morning of or the morning after and say like, yeah, the Oilers lost last night and the Leafs won last night. And he looks at me and he just says, Oh, but Kyle Curse lives on, Daddy. <laughs> like he knows I was all gonna, about it. <laughs> I was going to name this Leaf Edition Winvember, but I think I might have to call it "Thank God for the Kyle Curse Leaf oh, Edition yeah. 2021 Number 11." Thank God yeah. for the Kyle Curse. The Kyle Curse lives all right forever. for Anthony Alheffy and Dave. Thank you so much for filling in for Ball Walker. We might have to do more of these. We might have to do a hockey town with Kyle. We can see how much he knows about the Oilers. But Kyle, who's the who's the second pairing of defensemen on the Oilers? <laughs> uh, Paul Coffey, <laughs> I thought Kevin Lowe. <laughs> Anyways, we shouldn't Kyle enough. Kyle, we love you. Thank you for always being supportive of the podcast. Uh, for Anthony, Happy and Dave, this is Leaf Edition. Go Leafs, go! Go Leafs, go baby! Stanley Cup, right? Twenty twenty two, baby. This is the year. This is our. It's our year. <laughs>